Hey, good morning. My name is Byron, and uh, I'm glad you're here. I am an almost partner, so I'm hoping I don't say anything inappropriate between now and about 10:20, where past, Pastor Dan has to say, "Byron, you know Mary's okay, but you, you're out of here." Anyway, so because today's our special day for uh, the partnership thing. So if you are a guest either here in the building with us today or a guest coming in online through the Facebook stream, uh, we'd like to connect with you. And to help you do that, we have QR codes on the back of about every other chair in the room. And there's a connection link in the Facebook page. So please uh, connect with us. Uh, we'd like to know more about you and we can tell you more, more about us. All right. So um, announcements for this week, pub theology, which is men being stimulated by conversation and beverages. So <laughs> that's <laughs> not necessarily in that order. So <laughs> the, it's going to be at Hudsonville Grill. We're back in an actual pub instead of Dan Fisher's backyard. So we hope you can meet us there, 6.30, Tuesday night, pub theology. Derby car, derby car race coming up October 17. If you feel like you need some help with your project, next Sunday we're going to have a little building seminar after the, uh, after the morning service. So bring your kit and uh, get some tips or maybe just show it off so other people can be jealous. So that's derby car. Try to get your kid to, meet, to do most of the work uh, for that project. So... Uh, here at Sunrise, we have partners. Some churches call them members, but we have a partnership class coming up uh, on October 24, Sunday, October 24, partnership class. So if you'd like to start that process uh, of getting connected as a partner, make sure you put that on your calendar and join us. Lunch is provided. It's held right here in the building right after the morning service. So partnership class, October 24. So... I think of, I thought about how this is like a meeting of secret agents who are engaged in spreading love and joy into a very unhappy world. So I hope you feel like that this morning, that you're, uh, you're gearing up to go out on a secret agent mission for God to change the world we live in. Please worship with us. i 
sing a little louder. 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 In the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder. Louder than the unbelief. Sing a little louder. My weapon is a melody. Sing a little louder. Heaven comes to fight for me. Sing a little louder. In the presence of my enemies. Sing a little louder. Louder than the unbelief. Sing a little Give love. 
worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are here moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, turning lives. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. 
God, these things are true, and uh, whether we know it or not, whether we recognize it or not, our hearts are beating right now because of you. Our lungs are bringing in and releasing air because of the creative work that you've done and you continue to do in our lives. So God, our prayer this morning is that as we gather, as we sing these songs, as we interact with Scripture, as we interact with each other, that our eyes would rise up enough beyond our problems, beyond the spaces in our lives where it seems like there is no way forward, and that we would cling to you and the promise that you're with us. And so use this time this morning for that and for whatever else it is that we need because we trust that you're capable of doing these things in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat, guys. Good morning. My name is Dan Fisher, and it's really good to see you guys. Um, One of the fun things that we get to do here at Sunrise is welcome into our church folks who have said, you know what, we are not just interested in hanging out with you guys, but we want to invest ourselves in what it is that's happening here at Sunrise. A lot of churches call these folks who make that move members. We've decided to call these folks partners. Uh, It can feel like it's a little bit of a semantic game, but we do that because we really believe that as we step forward together to say, this is my church, this is what I want to invest in, that we're locking arms together to say, I will help advocate for you and for your family. I will help raise your kids the best that I can. And so these are the kinds of things that we invite folks who want to become partners or learn what it means to become a partner of Sunrise uh, to take part in. So you saw up on the screen, you heard Byron announce this morning that on October 24th, we have another partnership class. That is in no way a commitment to anything other than a free lunch, a space for your kids if you have them, and a conversation to learn more about Sunrise and to share a little bit of your story. Uh, This morning, we get to introduce to you some folks who have done just that. They've let us know, hey, we want to learn more about Sunrise. We didn't scare them away yet. Um, And so uh, one of the next steps that these folks do, should they choose to, is to interact with some of our elders. Just have a relational connection so that folks can get to know stories, can get to know some of the faces of the people who are here trying to create a safe space for you. Then, provided all of that goes in the direction that the church and these new families are hoping that it will, in the direction of becoming more deeply a part of Sunrise Ministries, we invite these folks then to come up so that you can see them and celebrate them with us. Now, here's the thing. Some people are really uncomfortable coming up front, and that's okay. So we do our best to make sure that you don't have to say anything when you're up here. (laughs) But what I would like to do is invite up uh, some families, Dan and Audra Kotman, Julie and Noah Matice, Scott and Stacy Osink, and Kathleen and Ryan Torrey, if you're here. Go ahead and come on up. You guys can stand down here if you want to. Um, but these are families, these are folks uh, who care enough about what's happening in our community and about how Sunrise is committed to transforming the world with God's grace and love. Not doing it perfectly, uh, but they want to walk with us and we want to walk with them in a way that we support each other. We can encourage each other and remind us of who we are and move forward in doing the best we can to live an exemplary life of who God is to the world around us. So, the Matthias family, Julie is on staff here with us. She loves to be standing in front of people and to be pointed out. (laughs) And Noah, too, with a nice beard. The Tory family are here. Great people who uh, jumped in during the pandemic. Yeah, jumped in during the pandemic. The Cotmans who are here as well, been here for a little while. The Ossings as well. 
great people, uh, and I would encourage you as you are able to get to know them, uh, whether that's after the service or in small group, Three's Company, wherever that is, but help scoop them up, welcome them into this family. Uh, we love these guys. So um, I'm going to ask folks who are partners, if you would, to go ahead and stand up. If you're not a partner, frankly, you can stand up too if you want to. But uh, as a show of support for these families, I'd like for us to pray over them. I'll lead us in that. Uh, and then, again, find them after the service at some point and just let them know that you're glad that they're here. God, thank you for people. Thank you for the context of community where you show us who we are and who we can become, where you invite us to become vulnerable, where you invite us uh, to hear the stories of others. God, I pray that you would bless these families who are up here. You know their needs, their journeys better than any one of us. I pray that you would equip me and Sunrise to be a place that offers encouragement to them, uh, that is a reminder of your presence in their lives and helps them to become more of who you've designed them to be. God, we love you, we trust you, we thank you for adding to your family people from all over the place, and we thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. All right, thank you guys. Welcome. So for the last several weeks, we have been discussing this old, dusty word called tov. That is the a Hebrew word from a long, long time ago. Uh, I think that Mike was probably with the family who invented that word. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Right now I'm not able, able to connect to what's going on back there. Am I? Okay, wonderful. I'm better than I thought. All right, cool. So we're talking about this idea of tov. Tov is an old dusty word that has a lot crammed into it. It's a suitcase that is packed full of meaning. It means for us, if we can understand it and unpack it well, something that is beautiful, that is perfect. It's a masterpiece that people look at and their hearts and their souls thirst for what is there. It is the perfect example of what could be and what is. And so we've taken the time to go through these different ideas of what it means to understand and live into the idea of being a tov people. So we talked first about how God is tov. God is the fullest expression of all things that are good. He is a masterpiece. All good things come from him. We also talked about how God's design is tov. Not only is God in his being something that is good and perfect, but what he does in the form of creation, in the form of pursuing us. These things are good and beautiful. We also talked about how Tov is active. Not only does God come toward us in a being and with actions that communicate his goodness, but as we begin to follow him, we are called to be a people who mimic, who become small idols, if you will. I know that word can sound strange, but an idol is a replica of a God who people believe exists so that when people look at the idol, they can see a clear picture of who God is. And so we, as people who decide to follow God, this idea of tov, are invited to become active idols, if you will, displays of who this God is. Along with that, tov brings with it this idea of resisting. It's good to do good things. It's also good to resist doing things that distract people from what is good in life the way we use our words, the way we treat people, the way we interact with folks who are not as privileged, all these kinds of things become a beautiful, spiritually uh, resistant way of standing for what is good. This morning, I want to end the, our conversation 
with this idea, that tov, this goodness, this idea of something that is beautiful and is a masterpiece is something that endures. I wanted to say love wins, but I don't know if there, or that tov wins, but I don't know if there's a proprietary problem with that, so we'll go with endures. We live lives where it can be very difficult to believe that this idea of goodness wins, right? I mean, we're waiting for the day when this pandemic is finally done. Some of us are waiting for the day when we get through eighth grade. (laughs) We're waiting for a day when a surgery happens to alleviate the pain in a back. And during that long period of waiting, it can feel like it's just all going to come crashing down. There's really no light at the end of the tunnel. And so my job in life, my identity, my role, my hope, is really just in being somebody who can muscle their way through what is and hopefully just try to make sense of something along the way. Does that resonate with you a little bit? So this morning what I want to do is, (laughs) frankly, present to you a story that is an overview of all of Scripture. If you've grown up in the church, if you went to a Christian school, it's going to be really tempting to just kind of cash out on this one, and you can do that. What I want to suggest to you, though, is that sometimes the most important things in life are the things that can feel the most subtle, the things that we become so familiar with that we can forget all about them. So here we go. We're going to jump in at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. You can follow along if you want to on a different device, whether you're online or here in the room, you can follow along on the screen behind me. But here's... Here's where we'll start. This is in Genesis chapter 2. The reference there says Romans chapter 12. That is a leftover from last week. That is not an expression of tov. That is an expression of anti-tov. Anyway, so we are in Genesis chapter 2. This is where these verses come from, where Moses writes for us an origin story to help us not see what happened on the days of creation as though he was a reporter who was there, like someone who's there at the edge of the water during a hurricane and telling us exactly what he sees. But he is there to help communicate to us who God is and who we are in relationship to him, the world, and the humans around us. And in that context, he says to us these things. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, And there he put man, and it just disappeared on me. Are we there now? There we go. Okay. So he, there he put the man he had formed, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Two trees. Often we think it's one tree. Two trees. And a river watering the garden flowed from Eden, and there it was separated into four headwaters. So you've got this beautiful picture, right? I mean, no one who thinks of Eden thinks, ugh, that's not a really great place. Everybody, when they think of this idea of Eden, wants to return in some way to this place because it is a picture of paradise where all things are peaceful, right? This is what it is Moses is trying to do for us, to paint for us a picture of what it looks like to be in proper relationship with God, with each other, and with our world. 
And you know that as the story goes, in a form of a picture, there is this spaceless, not spaceless, chaotic space without order. And yet in the midst of that, God and His goodness moves toward chaos and establishes something that God calls tov, something that is good and beautiful. And in this context, according to Moses, there is this beautiful place where mankind is at rest. They are at peace. There's beauty all around them. There are no mosquitoes, maybe. There are no black flies from upper Michigan. No sunburns. There's no fear. There's no judgment. There's no need to prove yourself. And mankind is invited to live in this space where they live recognizing what it is Moses communicates. Number one, your life is dependent on a being that is bigger than you. And number two, you will not find full satisfaction in this life. Now, what Moses tells us is that there are two trees in this garden. This represents for us, just like it represents in all of the other kinds of origin stories, this idea that mankind has free will and is able to make a choice that reflects, yes, I recognize I am dependent on God and that I will not find fulfillment in this life, or I can decide to reject that and believe that I can find my own way and my own meaning in this life. And I will pursue and I will craft for myself an understanding of what is good and what is evil. And this is exactly what happens. This is the the choice that is given to Adam and Eve in this origin story. They are given the opportunity to eat and enjoy everything that God has made and presented to them as a gift. And they're just told, don't eat from this one tree. Now, that's a really interesting thing, right? Like, I could tell you right now, don't think of a pink elephant. And what's the first thing you do? You think of a pink elephant. (laughs) This is an interesting thing that happens here. There are questions that balloon out of this situation that we are just simply not equipped to answer. But the way the story goes, Adam and Eve, humanity decides for themselves that they will pluck a fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're saying, we will find our own way of making it through the world. We will find a way to be satisfied within ourselves, and we will push God away because we want to figure out life on our own. What that does is it creates separation. If you know the story in Uh, Genesis, what happens then is that God graciously takes these humans and moves them out of this wonderful presence because he does not want people to live forever in his presence, having made a choice that pushes him away from us. And so we have two worlds, and we live in a world right now that, again, there's an old dusty word here, ra, means evil, the exact opposite of tov. Bad, not a masterpiece. People look at it and they say, that needs to be fixed. Like when you drive by my van and you see this long line of transferred paint from another vehicle in a ripply texture 
to my side door. That needs to be fixed. That's not okay. And we see this all throughout the story of Scripture. I mean, we took the time over the summer to go through this timeline where we can see the ups and downs of life for every one of these characters, and we can see how our own lives reflect this too. Things don't go the way that they should. We say goodbye to a loved one too soon. Our kids have challenges that we don't feel equipped to fix. We see people break relationship with us because of a disagreement on something that is really not that important, but it's ballooned to the place where it's shattered relationships. And in the midst of all of that, we feel the effects of Ra. And there's this separation. There's this world that we live in right now, this sphere, this reality where things are just not right because we're struggling to figure out right from wrong. And then there is also this world of goodness that God lives in. And the invitation for all humanity is to somehow bridge these worlds together so that in the midst of a world that is upside down, we can live in a way that is right side up. The problem becomes, though, how in the world does that happen? The story of Scripture is that Tov is something that comes from God and is actively pursuing us. God is outside of our world of darkness, of confusion, of us figuring out our own way forward. And instead of being scared by that or intimidated by it, he comes closer to it. If you were with us over the last few weeks, you can remember that that's one of the things we're called to be actively engaged in. When we see chaos... We mimic what God does, and we move toward it with a posture of bringing goodness. Now, that takes a lot of bravery, right? A lot of self-sacrifice. And what the Scriptures tell us is that when Jesus came into the world, this full expression of who God is, He comes and He lives a life that introduces to all of us pictures of what it means to experience tov, goodness, the kind of goodness that God designed us to live, where there is hope, where there's joy, love, patience, kindness, goodness, where wholeness can be gained by simply believing that you don't have all of the answers and that maybe there's another world out there that is ruled and controlled by a God on whom we are dependent and knows how it is we should be living. Interestingly enough, Jesus, as he lives this life on earth, eventually gets to the point where he is persecuted and he is killed by being hung on a cross. Another word is tree. And so what Scripture is teaching us is that though we have as humans many times in our lives pulled the fruit from a tree that says, I'm going to figure out my own way forward and satisfy myself with that, Jesus comes and offers another tree where he says, if you will cling to me, and he literally says, if you will eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can be part of this sphere of tov, of goodness. Now, that's really hard, right, because we live in West Michigan. I used to live in a space in Alabama, a place in southern Indiana, where this is the story that's presented over and 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 over again. 
and it's packaged in ways that are just not beautiful. It's packaged in ways that just present guilt, and you're never good enough, and you're not going to measure up, and you haven't figured out your way forward yet, but if you give enough money, if you go to small groups, if you pray more, if you do your devotions, then you will figure out what it means to know what is good and what is evil. And no one looks at that with honesty and says, that's beautiful. I want to live in a world where I have to constantly wonder in my mind, am I giving enough granola bars to the homeless people in Chicago? Am I giving enough in church so that God sees me and will bless me? If I want God to bless my marriage, am I doing enough to get his attention so that he will do that? And every time we enter those spaces in our minds, as we lay our head on our pillows or we're driving alone in our car, our hearts cry out for something that is different than the world that we live in. And it's the story of Scripture that says God comes into this world in the person of Jesus, bringing with him the fullest expression of Tov. The question then becomes for us, what is it that we're going to believe endures? All of us are holding on to something or a group of things that we think will help us move the furthest in the best direction possible. Maybe it's your 401k. Or helicoptering your kids so that they can become what you feel disappointed you didn't become. It can be an addiction that numbs your feelings. It can be just the selfish pursuit of whatever it is that's going to make you feel happy. But we walk with those things for so long, it's hard to open up our hands and let go of them, right? I'm right there with you. <laughs> I want to hold on well like a little kid holding on to the fingers of their parents to walk when they really don't need to be holding on to those hands anymore and they can let go. But this is the invitation that Jesus offers according to Scripture, that we would be a people who look at the world that we are in, would recognize that it is not good, and that we would follow Jesus in a way of life that brings Tove to our world. And in this, of course, comes this idea of identity. Jesus' invitation for people to follow him is an invitation for you and for me to identify ourselves, not with our own desires, not with our own thoughts of what is good and what is evil, but with God's idea with what is good and what is evil. It's an invitation for us to say, my identity is not wrapped up in what I can achieve, but it's wrapped up in who I am in relationship to a God who made me to live in relationship with him, with other people, and with the world around me. And the story of Scripture says that if we follow our expression of God who came into this world known as Jesus, that we at some point will live deep and rich lives. Jesus uses the, the terminology, the New Testament uses the terminology of eternal life. That language there brings with it not just a quantity of years, but a quality of life, a depth 
literally translated, it's a life of the ages, a tov life, a life that anyone can look at and say, regardless of their perspective, regardless of where they live, where they grew up, they can point to that life and they can say, that is a life that is good. You can think of people who the world has looked at and said, that was a good life, right? There are people in your family probably who you can point to and say, that is a person who rose above the chaos of this world and chose to exhibit a life that was tove, where there was love and patience and goodness and sacrifice and humility for the sake of other people. In the complete story of Scripture, as we move closer and closer to John's vision of what's going to happen, his idea of what true reality is, is this idea that Ra will not always be an enemy of Tov. That at some point in our lives, chaos will be removed. The feelings of inadequacy will go away. The self-doubt, the shame will dissolve. What the story of Scripture is communicating to us is though everything was set up, was designed to be just right, and it took a nosedive, there will be a day when Tov conquers all. That gives us not only an identity of how it is we should be living and our purpose, but it also gives us a hope. Now, I, I, I want to give a little bit of a, a caveat here. It's really easy from a privileged place to say everything is going to work out well, right? The fact of the matter is we live in a world where the majority world doesn't experience a goodness that many of us would expect to live and call goodness. There are babies who die too young. There are women and children who are victimized and abused. There are men who are torn down constantly. And in the midst of all of that, it can feel like there's no way that Tove is going to win. <laughs> and that brings with it all kinds of hard questions. The same kinds of questions that every one of these people and more in Scripture were asking themselves. And what the writers of all of these stories are trying to do is to help us zoom out enough to see the big picture of what God is doing so that we can see ourselves rightly, which is to say, what we think is good might not be what God thinks is good. That's a really <laughs> uncomfortable thing to say, right? I mean, I think it's a good idea for everyone to cheer for the Cubs and for everyone to boo Ohio State and for everyone to have a beard, unless you're a woman. But if you still want to, that's okay. My idea of what is good is subjective. It's not anchored in an objective space, but what Scripture tries to help us see 
is that that is okay. We can anchor ourselves deeply into this idea of tov because that in itself is found in the most objective being that there could possibly be, the creator of all things. I had a pastor growing up who would say, you know what, the worst thing that can happen in life can only happen to you for as long as you are alive on earth. And at first I thought, wow, that is super encouraging. But if you subscribe to what it is that Scripture teaches, then you know that there is a life that goes beyond the current. The life that we live right now, according to Scripture, is followed by a life that is even more important, that lasts even longer than our lives here. So even if our world right now is just awful, and it feels like there is no light there, maybe it is enough for us at times to simply say, you know what, if I can zoom out enough, at some point, goodness will win. John paints for us a picture in the book of Revelation. He has this vision that he believes is from God, and he writes down what it is that he sees to help people who follow God through the person of Jesus understand the hope that is in front of us. And as I read this to you, as you see it on the screen, I want you to notice how closely it mirrors the picture of Eden. John says that the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the land down the middle of the great street of the city. It's no longer a garden. It is a city that is even more developed, even more organized than even the Garden of Eden was. There's this river that's flowing through it. There is a source of life right within itself so that it is an independent place fully able to be separated from chaos. And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month. That's a beautiful thing. You imagine having plants that give you fruit every month? Every time you drive by a grape vineyard on the country roads, you can smell the grapes because they're always there. There's no lack of food. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. No longer will there be any raw. No longer will there be a sense that goodness cannot win. And the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, God's presence His permanent dwelling will be with his people, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. Pause button. There will not be a literal name on your forehead. Some of us, as we look at the book of Revelation, and we see that John tells us that those who decide to follow Antichrist will have something on their forehead, it's not literal. In Scripture, over and over again, we're told that when we decide to follow God and describe, subscribe to this idea of tov, that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are marked in such a way that the people around us can't see something on our foreheads, but in such a way that we have a strong, firm identity that can't be washed off. So don't worry about your iPhone or, like my grandpa did a long time ago, social security numbers being 666. That's just not the case. Anyway, unpause. There will, uh, there will not be need for light of a lamp 
or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. That's the story of Scripture. That's, that is the story that all of these writers who, over the span of many, many years, are trying to present to us. And if we were to zoom out enough to see it and to name it, we could say that Tov endures. The goodness of God will overcome the darkness of my life and of your life. The only question that surfaces out of that that is important is this. Will you believe that? Will you decide to not reach for the tree of financial security or self-development and instead reach for something beyond this world that brings a depth and a breadth of life that we can't manufacture ourselves. God, these are hard things uh, to understand, to live into. I mean, they're simple. We can cognitively understand them well, but these things are not easy. And so, uh, God, it seems as though through these people who wrote down what you gave them, that we have a good understanding of what we need to do. And in the midst of all of that, it's not like any of us has at home this book on a shelf that is a playbook that's personalized to us. And so in the midst of reading things like this, talking about things like this, we need your help. So for those of us who are engaged in this conversation, God, I pray that you would um, point out some of the things in our lives that we need to revisit so that the identity we've given ourselves, the idea of good and evil that we've pursued on our own might be challenged a bit, not for the sake of destroying us, but for the sake of us becoming who you've designed us to be as fully as possible. God, we love you. We trust you. In Christ's name, amen. So next week, we're going to start a, a new conversation. It's really, 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 really easy for me, I think for us as people in the church, to believe that our job is to try harder, right? You want to make the baseball team, just try harder. You want to get A's on that test, try harder. If your doctor's telling you to lose weight, well, just try harder, right? That's what we're told over and 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 over again. And all that does is it tightens our shoulders and it increases anxiety, and it sets us up for failure. So there's this book, I think I've mentioned it to you before, with a title on it that we're going to use for our title of the next set of conversations, Try Softer. This is a book that if you are a reader, if you're an audio book listener, I would suggest you pick up. It's super practical, and it's got some chapters in here that we're going to use as some scaffolding for us. We're going to talk about things like trying softer with your attention, with your body, with your emotions, and with your inner critic. Now, it's going to feel to some of you like this, is, this isn't really very spiritual because we're using a book, and these kinds of words aren't found in the Bible. That's okay. It'll be a helpful conversation for us. Uh, this is a woman who is a follower of Jesus, who is a therapist, who's done a lot of work trying to fuse together the study of neuroscience, psychology, and of theology. So join us for this conversation 
I think there really is something to us trying softer. Uh, we're going to close the service here. Uh, one of the things that we do at the end of every service is give you an opportunity to give, to respond in whatever way is helpful for you. Sometimes that's giving by singing as loudly as you can. It's giving by sitting and reflecting on some of the things that you believe God is challenging you to do. It's also giving financially if you want to do that. Uh, going out to the table back here at the Connect table and asking for a way to connect with Sunrise Ministries. Lots of different ways for us to respond. No one is watching you to see how you'll do that, but at the end of every service, we want to invite you to do that in a way that's helpful for you. So join us as we sing. Uh, if you'd like to give, you're able to do that by scanning a QR code that will show up there at some point, and there's an, a bucket back there that if you want to give uh, in that way. Thanks, guys.
up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no reason we are called sunrise is because we believe that at some point Tov will endure. We believe that no matter how dark your night, the sun rises again. And so if this morning you need a fresh start, <laughs> you need to try to address the darkness and to embrace the new sunrise, a new opportunity, a new fresh start, do that today. Come up front, snag somebody by the elbow, talk to them in small group. But please believe <laughs> that no matter how dark your night, the sun rises again. May God bless you as you go into this week, whatever it is that's coming for you. Take care.